Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. I have today in our studio Gwen Meyer from Incremental Steps. Gwen is an approved and certified YB12 performance coach. YB12, of course, stands for Your Best 12 Months. She's also trained in the latest evidence-based neurochange research accredited by the NeuroChange Institute, which is associated with educational institutions like Harvard and multiple other high-quality educational tertiary institutions. She helps corporate leaders develop their teams, embrace change, and increase engagement and performance in all aspects of life and work in the quickest and most impactful way. Last time, Gwen and I discussed a few tenets of leadership, which included putting your ego behind you and putting your team first, having your teams back, understanding about people, being a psychiatrist, always doing what you ask of your team, having a sincere interest in others, not getting too close to your team, being a coach, not a buddy, protecting your own positivia, and always setting the example. Today, we're going to talk about many other tenets of leadership. One of the first things we're going to talk about today is thinking big. And that reminds me of a story. Many years ago, Coca-Cola had a board meeting. And in the board meeting, the chairman of the board came in, in front of all of his board members and gave this lecture. He came in and he said, listen, gentlemen and ladies, I'm very, very upset that we're getting destroyed. We're getting beaten in the marketplace. And all the board members looked around each other and like, what is he talking about? We're the largest company in the, we're, we're the best soft drink company in the entire world. Who, who could possibly be beating us? Where are these numbers? They, they were a little bit freaked out. Like, oh my God, what's happening in the business I'm not aware of. He went on and on and on about how we have to beat the competition. We have to up our game. We have to focus on the next step of our business. Anyway, come to find out, he said, more people are drinking this product than our product. This isn't enough. We've got to make a change. Come to find out, you know what the chairman was talking about? Water. He was upset because more people were drinking water than Coca-Cola. And that brings me to my first point in leadership, whether or not you think Coke is good for you or not. I'm not going to talk about that now, but you've got to think big if you're a leader. You've got to be the kind of guy, like Zig Ziglar talks about, that chases Jaws with tartar sauce. What do you think about that, Gwen? Ah, oh, yes. This is my favorite subject. Matt, lovely to be here, by the way. Thank you. Today. We're privileged to have you here. Yes. And you know what? It's about having a vision, a bigger vision. And we have to have something that's bigger than us that acts as a beacon, as a light, for us to actually move towards because having that really big goal or big dream is uh, helps us to actually work towards something and it keeps us going it keeps us taking those steps without those big goals we are directionless we don't go anywhere so even if we don't actually 
achieve that goal, it still takes us towards something bigger than ourselves. And you know, the Virgin boss, Richard Branson, always when he sets his goals and he comes up with some new idea, he always comes up with the idea first. He doesn't have a clue how he's going to do it and he sets the biggest goal he possibly can. And then he figures out how to work and make it work. Mm. And I love that. I love the, f- the fact that you can create and dream big, but then take the incremental steps to actually be able to achieve little by little so that you can build your power towards something bigger. Mm. So much that was insightful in that, Gwen, that you made me think of. I mean, regardless of what we believe or don't believe, without offending anyone, I think we could agree that the Bible is a piece of literature that stood the test of time and has some valuable things in it, regardless of what it, whatever you believe. And in it, they talk about first what, then how. Yeah. And I think that's really key. I mean, you, if you get bogged down in the how before you figure out what you want to do, you don't get anywhere. So, And it's the big goals that create the excitement. It's the big goals that make you want to get up in the morning. Nobody gets excited to say, oh, I want to pay off my mobile phone bill. I'm going to get out of bed right now. Okay? They've gotta have, you've got to have a vision, a goal, a, a, a purpose that excites you to get up and make things happen. And it doesn't matter where you start out. It matters where you finish up. Coca-Cola, the company we just talked about before. And by the way, I, I read a study a few years ago about the most uh, commonly recognized words in the entire English language. The number one word that people that don't speak English know in the entire world is okay. The number two word around the entire world that people know is Coca-Cola. Number two is Coke, okay, after okay. But Coca-Cola only, its first year only sold 400 Cokes, only 400. There's people on listening to this, this radio show that drink 400 Cokes a year, or actually probably some of them might be 400 a month, but that's the reality. And, if, and in business, if you don't have a goal, if you're not moving forward, and same thing in your life, if you're not moving towards something, you fall to the law of entropy and things start falling apart. But I'm talking way too much. We have Gwen in the studio and she has a lot to contribute. So was there anything else you want to say on that topic or should we move on to another no, tenet of leadership? Um- That was great what you said, Matt, but what I found in some of my experience is that, you know, in corporates, we're always setting goals and we've been told that we need to make them smart goals and, you know, smart, simple, measurable, achievable, realistic and time bound. And I love what Vishen Lakiani says. He's the CEO of a company. Actually, it's one of the largest growing personal development platforms now called Mind Valley. He's the and he's with his team, what he does is he sets goals every year that he knows that fifty percent of those goals they won't achieve, but fifty percent of them they will. So they set them regardless because what that does is it actually pushes them further than they possibly could go. Mm, mm. And so they will yes, they'll achieve realistically, they will achieve half of them. And he actually doesn't like the term realistic. Because he says that we really need to push ourselves beyond our boundaries, even even in thought. You just have to look at someone like Tesla, Elon Musk, 
when you look at him, is some of his goals are totally unrealistic if we were to look at them from the outside. But, you know, he believes in what he's doing. And part of it is that we just need to have that belief that we will be able to achieve, mm. you know, those bigger goals. And, 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 you know, you've heard the saying that if you believe a thing that can be done or you think a thing, believe a thing can't be done, you're right either way. Henry Ford said that. But that reminds me of something I used to do when I was a coach. Okay, I, I have to say that sometimes I was a little shifty. You know, I apologize for that. But when I used to uh, do strength training with some of the guys on my team, I'd put them on the bench and I'd tell them, okay, you're going to do this many reps of this many weight. And I'd lie to them about how much weight I put on. You know, I'd tell them, okay, you're going to do 10 reps. This is 150 pounds. And I'd put 180, 190 pounds on, you know, more than they've ever done before. And then they do it. And then I go, oh, oh, gee, sorry. You know, I, I made a mistake. Uh, oh, you did 40 more pounds than I told you. And then they'd be all excited because we put limits on ourselves. Like when is talking about, we don't think we can do things when we really can. So we always need to focus our teams and ourselves on stretching. And, you know, I'm just going to add something there, Matt, something that I know firsthand in my own life. And that's when I set the goal to actually move to Australia. And that happened 15 years ago. I set that goal, which to me at the time was totally, it seemed totally unrealistic to move countries on my own, leaving everything that I knew behind and without really knowing how I was going to do it. The difficult thing for me was also with that vision that I had in mind, it was, I, it had to keep me going and keep me persevering despite the fact that I had to overcome so many obstacles. But one of the biggest things was that I had to leave my son behind mm. for a few years, seven years before I actually went back to, to be with him. But it took me 15 years and I did it, but it didn't happen overnight. Mm, but mm. that's what really kept me going because I had that vision and I had that bigger purpose. Mm. And so it can be done. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, they say that things don't happen, that success is not born overnight. Mm -hmm. Usually it's 10 to 15 years. Yeah, people think <laughs> it's overnight. Yes, yeah. they always think. Yeah. And they see someone that's successful yeah. and what oh they do. Oh my God, I never heard of this person and they're a famous singer. Well, you're, yeah. they don't you're skipping see the, the amount 20 of work. years that they exactly. were practicing and yeah. playing in clubs for one person and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so think big. Think big. <laughs> I tell you a couple, Gwen just keeps bringing up so many great points, but one thing that I was thinking of when she was talking is when you make these big goals, it's very important you make the goal and then you share it with someone. If it's a personal goal, so you're committed. And also, if it's a business goal, you've got to share it with your team and you've got to promote it nonstop. You can't just, you know, say this is the goal at the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year, look at it and go, oh, we didn't hit that. That's not what it is. This is supposed to be something that inspires your team and you to greatness, to doing things that you wouldn't have expected you would have done before. So it's got to be promoted. There's got to be a payoff. It's got to be something that you're thinking about eating, breathing, thinking about, you know, in the front of your frontal cortex there, your, your, your prefrontal cortex all the time that is binding the team together. It's also a great team building a device. 
Absolutely. which is very important. Yeah, and it's about commitment. Mm. And, you know, I think we've mentioned this before. There's a big difference between being interested in something and being committed mm. to something. Mm. And when you're really committed to something that means a lot and that you buy into, then you won't give up. You will keep going and you will overcome every obstacle. When you're interested in something, what do we normally do? We normally make excuses. We blame the weather. We blame the dog. We blame the husband. We blame you. Know, whatever's going on in your life. Mm. Not enough time. So absolutely commitment's key for, for achievement. But it's in, in the corporate world, it obviously needs to tie back to the strategy, mm. to the bigger strategy of the organization, the department, the division, and the team itself. Mm. So there needs to be a, something that connects it, to connect those those goals or the vision to um, the task at hand. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, tied into that idea of goals is also the concept that we're going to get into in the next section of institutional myths. And the best organizations have institutional myths where you buy into these ideas, these myths, which become reality as time goes on, or you leave. Those are the two choices. So that's where we're going to pick up where we, where we left off here after these words from our sponsor. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Dalia Uno and you'll receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. Hello, I'm Peter Salerno. Please join me on Happy Business Radio every Monday, 2 to 3 p.m. on Radio Italia Uno. We have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build, and increase your business. Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia Uno sta cercando te. Chiama l'82123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. 
Today in our studio, we're back with Gwen Meyer, performance coach and neurochange master trainer. In the last section, we segued into what we're going to talk about now, which is the idea of institutional myths. The best corporations have institutional myths. The best teams have institutional myths. An institutional myth is an idea that your team is the best at this, and this is what you're all about. I'll give you some examples. For example, the Marine Corps, they're looking for a few good men. They're the best fighting force in the world. Another example, the United States of America, we had what was called Manifest Destiny, which was an institutional myth. In the 1830s and the 1840s, the United States was not a world power. They were a joke on the international stage. But we had this idea that of manifest destiny, which was an institutional myth that said that these 13 little colonies and these little collections of states that had just started were destined to take over the entire North American continent and become a major player on the world stage. And that's what happened because that's what was believed. Hewlett Packard, which by the way, their institutional myth was so strong that its first HQ is recognized by the state of California in the United States as a historical landmark. They have the institutional myth that their corporation is all about innovation, and they're the most innovative company that ever existed. They have what they call the HP way, which if you know a lot about corporations, you've heard about, which has four or five main tenets. Just from memory, it's respect for the individual, high-level achievement, contribution, integrity, teamwork. They had this institutional myth of we're this exceptional group of people, this exceptional corporation, and this we're the best at this. And you either buy into it or you leave. And because of this belief, they reach heights that one would never expect they would be able to reach. What would you like to talk about on that, Gwen? Well, belief systems are really powerful either way. So Shakespeare says that if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And it really goes to changing not only your belief but your language around that. And what is really interesting in terms of beliefs and the way that people believe and make things happen is because of the way that our brain works, the way that our mind works, because the subconscious mind and the conscious mind does not know, the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference mm. between what's real and what's imagined. So if you're going to state something and implicitly really believe it and know that it's possible then the, what the brain does or the mind is it compels you towards that. Mm. And it will, so you're presupposing success with absolute certainty, aren't you? Mm. And so then that's something that filters and people pick up on that. They mm. pick up on that energy and they pick up on that belief and it's contagious. Mm. And, your, and your mind will take you in the direction of the most dominant thought. I've talked before about an article that I read years and years ago in the New England Journal of Medicine where people with personality disorder, this is off the topic, but not quite, with multiple personalities, will one personality will manifest as someone with diabetes, one personality will manifest as somebody that has a scar, one personality will manifest as someone that has a stutter. And as these people change personalities, they will actually give blood tests to this person with diabetes, this personality that had diabetes. When he's in that character, 
he would have diabetes. And then when he would switch to the personality that was that had a scar on their face, a scar would actually appear and the diabetes would disappear. And then when they would switch to another personality, they would get other traits. So the mind takes us in the, and, and, and I don't want to be too, woo, but the reality is the mind takes us and is powerful and it takes us in the direction of our most dominant thought. And if we believe that a certain thing, more often than not, it will come true. So I, I don't know if when if you have any feedback on you're the you're the neuro uh, neuro change master <laughs> trainer guru. Um, so I'm going to tell you a funny story, Matt, because you're really good at telling stories, mm. and the power of the mind is incredible because between our ears we have this goal seeking mechanism. And we are compelled. We have something called the reticular activation system, which is something that we might understand. Like if, for instance, you might decide you suddenly want to buy a red car or a particular uh, model of car. Suddenly, because that's your become your priority and your goal, everywhere you look, you will find a red car. You'll see it in the street. You'll see it on the TV. You'll read it in the local paper. And you'll suddenly, your mind activates towards a certain goal because of that, what we call our reticular activation system. Now, I grew up on a farm in Zimbabwe and my father had a number of tractor drivers when he was alive. And it's the, a lot of the African tradition is very, very superstitious. And one of the superstitions that we had in Zimbabwe, in the farming community especially, was that if the if you ran over a chameleon, do you know what a yeah, chameleon yeah. is? Mm -hmm. Then you were likely, it's it's a sacred animal. And it's if you kill one, then all sorts of dire circumstances are going to happen. And ultimately, you can die. And one of the tractor drivers came to my father the one day. He had accidentally gone over a chameleon, as you would in the lands, you know, doing the, the tilling and crop stuff, and was in a total state because he asked my father to take care of his family. He said he had come specifically to work out to make sure that his family would be taken care of and that they, the children would be going to school. And that was his, you know, he was handing over responsibility. Mm. And my father said to him, well, why? What's wrong? And he said, well, this, you know, that I've actually run over a chameleon and I know that probably within the next two weeks I'm going to die. Mm. My family will be left alone. Mm. And, you know, my father had grown up in Africa and he kind of understood the, the traditions. He didn't quite believe that it would happen, but he went along with this guy and listened. And in fact, it, it, this guy did. He died. Mm. Within two, by the end of two weeks, they did an autopsy on him and they could find nothing mm. wrong with him. Mm. But it was purely the absolute belief mm. that that was, you know, and so it happens. And you hear all sorts of stories yeah. with, with the power of this. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was a little bit extreme, mm. but power is, of the mind is amazing. Mm. I tell the story about the guy that got locked in the refrigeration car that froze to yes. death. That the refrigeration unit was never turned on. Mm. He just believed it was too cold, so he d died of exposure. You know, and they did the autopsy and there was no That's physical right. symptoms of the exposure, but. That's right. And that was a story yeah. that Trevor Moad told, actually, when he had, he was interviewed by Lewis Howes, I think, on impact theory. Mm. 
uh, or Tom, no, Tom Bilyeu. Mm. And, and, and um, he actually had talked himself into that, mm. into believing mm. that, you know, he was going to freeze. Mm. And, um, yeah. And instead of being negative, let's, I just want to flip this around real yes, quick instead of being absolutely. negative. Yeah. Okay, because I was thinking about Muhammad Ali the other day. Yeah. He used to get a lot of, get picked on a lot uh, or criticized a lot because he'd say, I'm the greatest fighter of all time. I'm so fast I can draw the light and be in bed before it gets dark. <laughs> but, you know, he used to get teased for being cocky and all this kind of stuff. But think about it for one minute. If Muhammad Ali had not been saying, I'm the greatest fighter, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm so bad I make medicine sick. If he wasn't saying that stuff before he got in the ring with somebody like Sonny Liston, if he went in the ring and said, maybe I'm not the greatest, how well do you think he would have really done? He would have got, <laughs> I don't think he would have had the success he had. I, I don't want to say what I think would have happened to him. No, okay? but that goes you know. to confidence too, yes. doesn't it? Mm. So, you you know, believing not only in what you're doing, but also being confident that you can do it. And then certainty, it's the law of certainty, isn't it? And that's, and that's what we want to bring into our teams yeah. by these institutional myths and these goals. Yeah. And as leaders, our job is to, again, build people up. Not keep them down so we look better. The worst kind of leadership is the kind that worries that the people below them are somehow going to become better. Your job as a leader is to drag people up and to get people better than you at everything. Because if you become the kind of person that, is, that makes people better than they ever dreamed there could have been, Trust me, it will pay off for you in the long run. So I, is there anything else you would like to say on this topic or should we move to the next one? No, no, I think, okay. I think we've done that one. All right. I think the next thing I want to talk about here briefly is clear communication. And this is so important. And, it, and it's a real challenge in a lot of organizations that the people really don't know what's expected of them. You need to be very, very clear with your team on what's expected of them. And just because you think you've been clear doesn't mean it's clear. Just because you've said, do you understand? And they said yes, does not mean they understand. No employee or worker or teammate, very few people are going to say, I don't understand because they don't want to look stupid. So asking that question is just silly. So you've got to explain something and then ask them to explain it back to you. And that reminds me of a story, believe it or not. Okay. Ulysses S. Grant, who was the commander of the Union Army, uh, the Army of the Potomac, excuse me, in the Civil War, which was the biggest army in the American Civil War uh, on the northern side. He was the one that was finally able to turn the war into the, to the North's favor, who was able to win the war because this war dragged on and on and on, and the, the United States was losing against the Confederate States of America forever and, and for two or three years. And what he used to do with his troops is he would, whenever he had to give an order to, a, to one of his generals on what he wanted to have done, he used to find the least educated private he could find Okay, he would explain the order to that private. Then he would have the private explain it back to him. And if the private, the least educated private, could not explain the order to him, he would rewrite the order. That way, there was never any misunderstanding between him, his generals, his brigade commanders, so on and so forth. So the key here is we've got to make clear 
what we expect from people and what they need to be doing. And even in the art of war, Sun Tzu says the same thing. The army that will win, okay, is the army is the army where the and I'm paraphrasing, okay? I'm not a Chinese warrior philosopher, okay? <laughs> but the the army that where the private understands the battle plan as well as the general is the army that will win. Okay, and I'm not saying you're doing battle with your staff or with your other competitors, but it's the same philosophy, same idea in leadership. Gwen? This is critical. You know that the communication is the single most important thing in building relationships, but also in um, success of any kind. And, and I think it's the biggest morale killer. It's, it is the biggest morale that? killer, absolutely. And there's communication of all types. So it's not only... You know, it really is the, the leader that needs to be clear to the team on what the, the vision is, what the objectives, the purpose of the team. They have to continue, continually reinforce that, communi uh, that communication and the message and always seek to understand first. And then be understood. And then be understood. Stephen Covey. Yeah, Stephen Covey. Um, and really, it's that the, you know, the normal conversation that we have every day is fine. But where it gets really difficult is where we have the difficult conversations, mm. where there's conflict that might arise. Mm. And I think we need to talk about that in the next se in the segment. Next, in the next section, we will do yeah. that. Yeah. But we have to have a quick word for our sponsors so we can keep uh, the electricity to the radio station. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back very soon with Gwen Meyer. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone, delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone, granito, marmo, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique Stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. Lo sapevi che l'82% delle persone richiama più facilmente il nome di un'azienda vedendolo scritto su carta che in una pubblicità sui social media? Continua a valorizzare i metodi più tradizionali, toccare e tenere nelle proprie mani biglietti da visita, calendari promozionali, cataloghi. Maria Studio Printing è il tuo partner creativo di stampa e di marketing ideale. Si occupano di graphic design, sviluppo web, gestione di stampa, routing CNC e 3D carving, fotografia commerciale e riprese, offrendo consegne nello stesso giorno o entro tre giorni lavorativi. Maria Studio Printing può portare alla luce i tuoi progetti e crescere la tua impresa è facile. Per saperne di più, chiama l'8352-1268. Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. for Talking Real Estate, your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts, plus report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10am. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. 
Radio Italia 1 Sito internet www.italia1.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're here with Gwen Meyer, Certified Performance Coach and NeuroChange Master Trainer. In our last session, we talked a little bit about institutional myths and we talked about the importance of communication. We're going to pick up where we left off talking about the importance of communication from a leadership perspective when it comes to difficult conversations. Gwen? Wow. (laughs) This is not easy in any environment. And this is probably the one area that most uh, emerging leaders especially have difficulty with. And it happens even with, within the team itself. It's fine when everything's going well and when you're having the normal conversation. But if there's constructive feedback that needs to be provided where, where there's a disagreement, then there's specific tools and techniques that you can use to help. And not everybody has the skills to do this. Um, and that's why a lot of people avoid those conversations because mm. they're not really sure how to to master them well plus they're not fun plus they're not fun (laughs) so so i always say that the golden rule of any conversation is to start with an open question Mm. and then to listen and active listening is its skill on its own which we'll talk about separately but just going back to that difficult conversation it's always assumed the best way to start is to always assume that the other person is 10 percent right Mm. So you come at it from a place where you're assuming good intent. And we need to try and understand the other person's issues, even if you don't agree. And avoid personal attacks. Discuss the behavior, not the personality. Mm. So we're not going to tell him straight off that we think he's an idiot. We are going to say that, you know, we didn't appreciate the fact that he was not hearing the other members of the team, that he, that he interrupted, that's behavior. And we need to avoid getting defensive. So, you know, we, there's a technique that we use, which we could describe, and we don't need to go into it now, but describe the facts in a neutral way, report the impact it had on you, or the others, acknowledge the needs of the other person, make your own needs known, and ask for specific action. And if that fails, then we sometimes need to walk away from having a difficult, and if it gets, if the conversation gets stuck. And, you know, maybe we have to say, hey, we're both too emotional at the moment. We are not getting anywhere. So it's best to end this conversation and maybe come back to it when you've both had time to kind of calm down because it's not good to have those kind of conversations when there's too much emotion and Mm. charge. Plus, it's best to keep the police away. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) A couple of things I'd like to, to add into that. First is what I used to say to my staff is issues should never be more important than relationships unless it's about something that has to do with ethics. 
the issue should never be more important than the relationship. So I always start with that whenever I have a difficult conversation with somebody. I say, listen, there's something here I need to talk to you about. I want you to remember in the back of your mind that, you know, I value our relationship. I really enjoy working with you. I like this. 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 The organization, I mean, I'm assuming this is all true. Don't ever just lie and, and blow smoke, okay? But, you know, I'd say I like this, I like this, I like this, I like this. You know, the organization I, I think would be much weaker without you because of this, that, and the other thing. However, you know, this this here, I don't, we got to talk about this. I, I don't think this went well or, you know, I don't think this is the direction we need to go in or I don't think this... I think this needs to be different or whatever the situation is. And I start with, this is my perception of it. Okay. That's what it looks like to me on the outside. But can you tell me what, what's going on here? What happened? What you were thinking? What, you know, da, 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 da. And I tell you the dumbest thing you can do as a leader. Okay. Well, I don't want to say the dumbest thing because there's always something dumber that maybe I haven't thought of yet. Okay. But one of the dumbest things you can do as a leader is chew, tear into somebody, chew into somebody, and you don't have the whole story. I tell you, I learned that the hard way more than once. You know, I would bring somebody in and I'd go, what? And I didn't have the whole story. I never, ever criticize anybody until I've sat down with them. You know, I've let them give me every single piece of information they think I should have. Then we have the discussion. Okay. You know, don't ever just, you, you don't have the whole picture all the time. So I, I think that's very key. And I, I think you alluded to that a little bit, but you know, I, I go a little bit further than 10%. I, 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 I figure that they're probably at least half right. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe that shows low self-esteem on my mm -hmm. part or, or I'm too open-minded or whatever, but that's, that's what I do. Okay. So, and again, we go back to what Gwen was talking about. I think she was talking about it before is either today or the time before, but Stephen Covey and bringing out the best in people talks about seek first to understand then be understood. So do you have any feedback on what I just mentioned there, Gwen? Oh, well, th that can be kind of explained in, in another sort of technique that we can talk about, which is the act of listening. And leaders, one of the most important skills in great leaders is the ability to listen and to speak last. And, and my favorite is a leadership coach and author is Simon Sinek. And he talks about, you know, leaders speak last. And he uses the example of Nelson Mandela explaining how his father, who was the chief in his tribal area where he grew up, used to bring together all the councillors and members of the community and they used to sit, they sit in a circle and he always let everybody else have their say first and then he would speak. So he would summarise, hear what everyone had to say. He made them feel heard. He made them feel seen. And then he was able to consolidate the information and then speak. Mm. And I think that's such a really critical skill that leaders can take on because that gives you power. And I think that's so key. I, I, sometimes as leaders, we want to prove, oh my God, I'm the leader because I'm so wise. And we want to just jump in and say, this is what you need to do, blah, 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 right away. 
and that's uh, <laughs> really dangerous and, and and not the smartest thing to do. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Abraham Lincoln that said, it's better to remain silent and have others wonder if you're a fool than to speak <laughs> and confirm their suspicions. Yes, absolutely. So I, I, as a leader, I, again, it just goes back to get all the information then make a plan or give your advice. Then, you know, come up with a solution. Get all the information first. Yeah. Very key. Yeah. Sorry, back to you, Gwen. No, I didn't no, mean to no, no, no. I, I totally agree with you, Matt. It is about, you know, allowing others their say, giving them a voice, and then communicating mm. based on what you hear. Mm. And that's that's critical. And active listening, I mean, that's a whole conversation we could have mm. separately. Again, if you guys want to utilize Gwen, we'll leave her contact details at the end of this leadership session here today. There's a lot you could learn from her if, if you're in the market and, and need some change facilitation and some neuromaster change leadership programming. Training leadership training. Gwen, I'm going to put you on the spot here in front of all the listeners. Is it okay? Because you list that you made of how to handle a difficult conflict type conversation was very extensive. And each one of those is probably a radio episode, you know, or even a book. Is it acceptable for us to put that on the Facebook page here? Uh, just the list for the for the listeners, especially the people that are overseas that can look into the and oh, read absolutely, that. Okay, and great. and you if know, you could get that to us, that'd be awesome. I'll, I'll absolutely do that okay. with pleasure. Yeah. All right. Anything else, or do you want to move on to a on that topic, or should we move on? I'm happy to move on. Okay. I want to talk into something that ties into our clear communication in the little bit of time we have left, and it's the fact that you got to keep it simple. We talked a little bit about General Grant. Okay, keeping it simple when he's explaining things. But when you give your staff tasks as well, keep those tasks simple. It reminds me of a story years and years ago about Lee Iacocca. Okay, Lee Iacocca was the chairman of Chrysler Corporation. Okay, and he was driving to work one day, wanted to have the top down on his car driving into work, but unfortunately Chrysler didn't make a convertible at that time. Being the chairman and the CEO, he really couldn't have a non-Chrysler car. So he was driving his Chrysler into work and going, man, I wish I could put the top down. So he brought all his engineers in and he said, Chrysler's going to get back in the convertible business. Give me a plan here to, so we can start making convertibles. They came back. In a, and I'm telling this story very quickly because I want to get to the point, is they came back in a couple week or so and they said, okay, it's going to take us two years to retool everything to make this producing convertibles again. Lee Iacocca said, man, that's way too, because uh, it was mostly men back then, engineers. Gentlemen, this is way too slow. You know, we got to come up with a better plan. Okay. They said, okay, they come back next week, came back next week. Mr. Aracoca, this is why you're the boss and we're not. You know, we redid all this stuff. It's only going to take a year. Leah Aracoca said, that's too long. Come back with a better plan. Came back again next week. It's going to take us six months. Leah Aracoca goes, that is too long. Come back here with a plan on Monday that I'm happy with or I'll find somebody else that can do it. Probably not the nicest way to handle it, but that's how he handled it. They came back and the solution was basically they cut the roof off a car they were already making called the LeBaron and that became their best-selling convertible and they started production in a matter of weeks. So the solution doesn't have to be this huge, huge, difficult, convoluted, 
all this, you know, years and years of analysis, paralysis, research, blah, blah, blah. You don't always have to get it right, but you do have to get it started. And that's something that we need our our staff to understand. They're not going to get persecuted for getting started on something. You know, action is better than no action. So what do you think about that, Gwen? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, you know, when we uh, normally in high-performing teams with a leader, they are high achievers anyway, they're high performers. And one of the biggest drawbacks of those kind of personalities is the perfectionism. They want to get it right before they actually show it, before they do it, they do the research, they do. And I tell my clients as a coach that you take that first step. You don't have to get it right. You don't have to get it perfect. You need to just do it and take that step and then take the next step and then the next step. And whenever you start anything new, you're never going to get it perfect. Mm. And so you've just got to do it. Nobody that starts anything the first time is going to be brilliant at it. Mm. But with practice and with repetition and consistency, then it makes it permanent. That's why you have an iPhone 12 instead of just an iPhone. Also, so they can sell more of them, but, (laughs) but also because, you know, they can constantly improve it. So, Running out on time here, so we're going to have to give a quick word to our sponsors, and we'll be back in a few minutes. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364-9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Have you heard of podcasts? Podcasts are like having a personal radio station that people can listen to on demand about topics they are interested in. And now thanks to Podcast City, you can record your own podcast and have your own on-demand radio show. You can use our professional recording equipment at the studios of Radio Italia Uno, or Podcast City can come to your location with our mobile studio. Podcast City can just record your audio, or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more, and receive a free podcast startup checklist, or book a time to record your podcast, Call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM.
promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno. Radio Italia 1. Welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're here in studio with certified performance coach and neuro change master trainer Gwen Meyer. Today we talked about a few things. Just to recap on our second session of leadership, we discussed thinking big, clear communication to the staff, keeping it simple, how to have difficult conversations, and institutional myths. I want to thank Gwen Meyer for being here, and I'd like to take the last few moments for you to add anything you'd like because you're a font of information. <laughs> thank you. It's been a delight being here with you, Matt, again. And I think by now, the second episode that we're doing, I think people will begin to start seeing that actually leadership um, is not just one or two or three different skills and aspects. Leadership is a combination of a whole lot of attributes, skills, experience. It takes time and it takes practice and it takes belief and it's not easy. Mm. It's not easy. And one of the biggest things I think we mentioned before in the last episode was actually the most common trait of great leaders is courage mm. because it is not easy to be a, a leader. We have to take responsibility for the, the things that don't work, but we also have to give credit to our teams when things do work. So... We have to stand our ground, we have to support, and it's, but it's really rewarding when we get it right because it is about empowering others. And I do want to point out and just remind everybody listening that, you know, you don't have to be the chairman of the board of a Fortune 500 company to be a leader. You don't have to be the boss of a large company to be a leader. You don't have to be president of the United States or governor of a state to be a leader. We're all leaders in our own way. And I, and I remember, Gwen, that you said something. If, if you're an individual and you're helping out the person to the right of you and to the left of you, then you're a leader. As parents, we're leaders, and we can be leaders in all aspects of our life. Anybody who is helping other people is actually a leader. Gwen, what are the ways people can contact you outside of the, the station here if they want to learn more from you? Um, the best way is to contact me on my website, www.incrementalsteps.biz. And in, the, in my website, I've got access to a Facebook page and to my LinkedIn. Those are my two key profiles. And you can contact the radio station if you need to as well to contact me. The best to do it via my website. Okay. Also want to thank Ron Fiedler from Podcast City. Without him, I don't think we could put this thing together. And as always, we want to thank our sponsors. We're going to close our show today like we're going to close our show from now on with a true inspirational and educational story. Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley, and today I want to tell you a story that you may have heard before, but it's worth repeating. In 16, this child was forced out of his home. In 18, his mother died. In 31, he failed in business. 
In 32, he ran for state legislature, and he lost. In 32, he lost his job, and he couldn't get into law school. In 33, he borrowed some money to start and invest in a new business. He failed. He spent 17 years paying off the debt. In 34, he ran for state legislature. He won. In 35, he was engaged to be married. His fiance died. In 36, he had a complete and total nervous breakdown. In 38, he tried to be in the state legislature. He lost. In 40, he sought to become an elector. He lost. In 43, he ran for Congress. He lost. In 46, he ran for Congress. He won. In 48, his party decided they did not want him to run again. In 49, he ran for land officer. He lost. In 54, he ran for Senate. He lost. In 56, he was tapped to be vice president. He lost. In 58, he lost again in a Senate race. But in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. Just a few, and I stress a few, of the challenges and problems that Abraham Lincoln had that I left out are these. He started the Black Hawk War as a captain. He ended it as a private. He had malaria in 1830 and 1835. He suffered from chronic and clinical depression. For that, he took these special blue pills. The only problem was they gave him mercury poisoning. He had multiple endocrine neoplasia type 2B, which is a disease that inflicts only four out of 100 million people. It manifests as tumors on all major organs, his mouth, and in his eyes. It gives him big blubbery lips. He has gastrointestinal issues, and this disease also made him tall, thin, and gangly. In fact, Abraham Lincoln was so ugly that we had to touch up the penny to make it acceptable for circulation. Fact. In 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, he had smallpox. In 1862, while the Union was losing the war, his son William died in the middle of the Civil War. His son Eddie already died in 1850. His wife was bipolar. She suffered from migraines. No president in the United States history, including Donald Trump, was vilified more by the press than Abraham Lincoln. He was referred to as the ape in Washington. The Gettysburg Address, which children recite to this day in the United States, was mocked as a joke. The entire Civil War began with his election. Imagine being elected president and half the country leaves in protest on your election. How did he respond to this? Well, at age 23, after losing his job, he enlisted in a volunteer regiment during the Black Hawk War and was elected captain by his fellow volunteers. In 24, when his business failed, he rebounded by being appointed postmaster and surveyor. A year later, he would win election for the first time to the Illinois State Legislature. At the age of 27, despite having a nervous breakdown the year before, he bounced back by getting reelected to the Illinois State Legislature. He also received his license to practice law in Illinois after studying for years on his own. Abraham Lincoln received less than nine months of schooling. At the age of 29, and in the next couple years, he was admitted to practice law in the United States Circuit and District Courts. He became a law partner of one of the most successful lawyers in Springfield, which is our capital in Illinois, by the way. After his failure to receive the nomination three years earlier, he was finally elected to the House of Representatives at 37. After he was forced to step down from Congress a year later, he was admitted to practice law at the U.S. Supreme Court. At the age of 45, though he was defeated for nomination to the U.S. Senate, Lincoln began to emerge as a leader of the brand new party, 
that was established to abolish slavery, the Republican Party. He was a strong voice in the anti-slavery movement, and at the age of 51, he was elected as the 16th president of the United States. These experiences are what gave him the strength to hold the United States together, to free the slaves, and to give them the vote. Even though for the first two years of the war, the United States was losing badly. Even though many in the North wanted the war ended and wanted the South to just go on their way because no one cared about freeing the slaves. Even though he would likely lose re-election by following this course, he stuck to the task. And remember, the greatest thing that he had to overcome was himself. He was manically depressive. His biggest obstacle was himself his own mental and physical health. He kept the United States together and ended slavery and gave them the citizenship and the vote. What would the world be like today if he hadn't? What would a world be like where slavery didn't end in 1865? Where the U.S. was two countries? What would have happened in World War I? Unlikely the U.S. could have helped much in Europe as the Confederate would have chosen one side of the war and the U.S. would have chosen the other. What about World War II? The Confederate state America would have had the same racial attitudes as Nazi Germany. There's no way the U.S. could have sent troops over to Europe. What about the Cold War? Luckily, we'll never have to find these things out. Abraham Lincoln taught us many things, too many to talk about today. But one of them had to be that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people that have challenges, disappointments, failures, and let themselves be beaten and others who take those challenges, disappointments, failures, and learn from them and use them to drive themselves toward success and accomplish things that can even sometimes change the world. The question is, which one are you?